welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast with Cincinnati host Stephen Brittingham. Experience meaningful and in-depth interviews with Hollywood's most interesting people. Enjoy the show. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in. And now, your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Welcome, friends and listeners, to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. Your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. This is your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Coming to you today from Cincinnati, Ohio. So glad to have you listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. My extra special guest today is an actress who is not only extremely talented, but also has very appealing screen presence. This lady would be Rachel Nichols. Her impressive career includes roles in both film and television, including 2009 Star Trek, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, Alias, and a memorable role on Criminal Minds as Ashley Seaver. What a fantastic performance she gave on that show. Rachel is here today to share some of her thoughts on her latest role in the upcoming Miles Dooliak horror film, Demigod, which, by the way, she gave yet another outstanding performance. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think this place was paradise. Even after my mom left, the trees, the air, animals everywhere, always felt like I belonged here. It is an honor to welcome her to the show. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond, Rachel. Hi, Stephen. It's nice to be here. And hello to all of your listeners. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, so uh, excited to be speaking with you today. And I really appreciate you uh, joining me to discuss your latest role. So thank you in advance. Well, thank you for having me. I love to discuss my work. I love when other people enjoy it. I love... You know, I love being me, authentically me, which you will definitely get in my responses and my candor in this <laughs> podcast. I'm 100% authentic. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Most welcome. Well, first of all, let me say happy fall to you. Just arrived recently, and I surely hope you had a, an enjoyable summer. The summer was great. Um I actually did, I actually went back to my first movie, my first work that I did during the pandemic was Demigod. And we'll touch on that, obviously. But I, I did, over the summer, I did a Netflix movie, and then I joined a show called A Million Little Things. So I can't complain at all. The summer was fantastic. And I got to be in Vancouver for both of those projects, and that's where my in-laws and my sister-in-law, my niece and nephew are. So it was a wonderful summer. I got to work and play. That sounds so nice. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations to you, and I hope your fall will be as enjoyable as your summer. And Well, before we discuss Demigod and your just 
outstanding performance in the film and discussed the setup and your character and all of that good stuff, I actually thought we would go back to the very beginning and I would like to know where you are from. I am from the great, beautiful, wonderful state of Maine. The state of Maine. Yes. Very nice. Well, how did your interest in acting begin for you, Rachel? Well, it, I'll try to make a long story longer. Um, <laughs> Please I do. In, <laughs> I grew up in Augusta, Maine, and um, my dad always joked that I was ready for college and kindergarten. Um, my parents pledged to me my whole life that wherever I got into college, they would find a way to afford to send me there. Um, we were not from a wealthy family. And my dream was to go to Columbia University in New York. And I got into Columbia University in New York. And my parents said, great, we will find a way to pay for it. And about, I don't know, a month in, sometimes I think it's two weeks in, a month in, I said to them, oh my gosh, it's so great here. I'm going to business school here. And they went, okay, that's great. You're paying for business school because we're tapped out. And uh, at that time, I knew my my wage at Abercrombie & Fitch at the South Street Seaport, which is where I worked. I knew my wages from there were not going to put me through Columbia Business School. So right place, right time. I got scouted by a modeling agent, which quickly led to commercials. And then they said, wow. Ah, do you, want, do you want to meet the, the theatrical division? And I went, sure, why not? Anything that's going to get me money to go to graduate school. And so I met with the theatrical division and um, I got an audition for Sex in the City. And I booked the audition for Sex in the City. And I was on one episode of Sex in the City. It was called A Vogue Idea. And Kim Cattrall was so, so lovely and so nice to me because I told her at 6.30 a.m. that um, I had never acted before. And she, it could have gone one of two ways. She could have just been super annoyed with me <laughs> or she could have taken me under her wing. And gratefully, she took me under her wing and she said, honey, we're going to have a great time. And I walked away from that set that day and I went, I like this. I'm going to get into acting classes immediately. And I did. And here we are. And here we are. What a lovely outcome. Because that's just proof how, you know, we can all make a difference for each other. Uh, someone uh, giving you such a nice uh, compliment and, and reassuring that she's going to be right there with you through this. And that had to make you feel just on top of the world. If she, Listen, I'm going to be completely honest. If she had been frustrated with me and rightfully so because I was brand new or if she'd been rude or if she'd been a total bitch or she I might have left that day thinking acting's not for me I'm going to go back and you know get my degree in economics but she was so lovely I did get the degree I did graduate from Columbia <laughs> um, but she's so lovely and inviting and supportive she really made me think, oh, I like this and I can do this. But if she, had, if she hadn't been nice to me, I would not be talking to you today. Wow. 
well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It could have gone one or two different ways. I'm wondering, Rachel, yeah. I know. I mean, I know it's been a few years, but do you recall like the moment you stepped onto the set for your first scene or wherever it was filmed, on location or in, on a set? I mean, were you just full of butterflies or do you recall like a, having a certain kind of confidence and you were ready to jump in? I was so green. I had done, I had been an extra in a movie before, but I hadn't had any lines. And I didn't know how to hit a mark. Um, I didn't know the most rudimentary things um, ab- ab- about it. I, it, it. You know, you're not supposed to look down at the ground to hit your mark. You're supposed to see, see the mark in your <laughs> periphery and keep looking at the character you're talking to and hit a mark. And um, Martha Coolidge directed my episode. Again, Kim was lovely. Um, Michael Patrick King was amazing. Um, and they were all super supportive, but I was, I was nervous. I was nervous. I was super nervous. <laughs> and, um, I'll never forget the, that kind of nerve. Cause I still, I mean, I've been doing this for, but I'm 41. So that was probably when I was like 22, 22, I think 21, maybe, okay. um, I still get the same sort of birthday jitter butterflies, even after all this time. Even after all these years, you still get that, that, that butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like the day that that goes away and I just think, huh, whatever. I think that's the day I have to retire because those butterflies and, and that energy and that excitement about going to a new job is everything to me. And I love my job and the day that it, that I think, wah, wah, just going to work. Then I think I need to choose a new career. <laughs> I think you're right about that. I mean, if you didn't have that, then, whoa, you don't want to be going through the motions with acting or artistic projects. No, no and I've got an entire, you know, I've got an entire arsenal of tools that I use and they work so hard on the material beforehand. And then it's great miles. Um, Deliac was such a collaborator. It's always really nice for an actor when there's a director who wants to collaborate and wants to, you know, stretch ideas, experiment new ideas. And, um, it's so, it's so important. Um, because you want to, from my standpoint, I want to grow from every role, I take every role I have. I want something different. I want something new. I want a new feeling. I want a new access entry point to a certain emotion. So it's always changing. And that's why I love my job because it's always changing. Well, before we dive into your role in Demigod, which Miles Doliak directed, and by the way, Miles and his lovely wife, Lindsay and Williams were both uh, on the show just recently discussing the film, and they said so many just wonderful things about you and spoke highly of you. Uh, but yes, one of the things I actually told Miles was that I really like how he sets up his scenes. I've seen several of his films, and I got the feeling like he was the kind of director that actors really would be comfortable with. Like he welcomes feedback. Yes, and I will say, um, Miles is, because he's also an actor, and that, 
that is so helpful when you have a director who is also an actor because a director who is also an actor gives very in-depth and effective notes during a performance. If you have a director who's never been an actor, they'll literally give you a note that's like, be like a watermelon on top of a sunshine moon. I mean, they'll, oh. it, I, I mean, using hyperbole there, clearly. Sure. Miles can come into a scene and say, hey, think about it like this or this perspective. And he was so open and, and Lindsay was lovely. Lindsay's his wife, but she also plays a significant role in the film. And she also did all of the costume design. Um, the two of them worked so I mean, I, I, I am obsessed with my husband. I have the best husband in the world. I don't think we could work together um, <laughs> in the same capacity as Lindsay and Miles. They do an incredibly good job, and that makes being on set a wonderful experience for them. <laughs> That's so nice to hear. And, and you're right, with him being an actor as well, it's got to make a difference with ha- his style of direction. And I will share something with you Rachel, because I know we won't mind, because um, he actually has been a guest three times, if you can believe that. And Mm. on his second visit, I believe, for the dinner party, I asked him a tough question, Rachel. I, I, I was like, I've been thinking about this. So I asked him if he had a preference between directing and acting, like at the end of the day. I mean, is there one that's maybe a little bit higher up on the status pole? And his answer was, oh, most definitely acting that he actually directs just so he has the opportunity to act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I thought was fascinating to me. And, and look at me. I'm an actor who does a podcast show interviewing other actors, but it helps me to connect with them in unique ways. Yeah, and that's why I, I loved working with Miles so much because he, he's an actor, and, but he's also, a, excuse the line, I don't know if I can swear, he's a Darn, darn good director. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. So you can swear that. if you if you wish. <laughs> uh, I think his ability as an actor makes him a great director, and he um, it also makes him approachable. I always I felt for the whole time I could go up and ask a question or say, "Can I change this line?" or "Can I do this motion here or that here?" because this feels more real and more authentic and. He was always on board with anything new. And it, even and then sometimes he'd say, well, the reason I wanted it to be like this is because in this, this future scene, and then I'd say, oh, shit, of course, that makes so much sense. Great. <laughs> so it was just, you know, if, if for an actor to be able to go to a director and have a, a positive, interactive, accepting dialogue, uh, people would be surprised as that's how special that is. Well, he sure has been gracious towards me, and I, I really appreciate that so much. And I tell you what, this movie has a, a very nice setup, Rachel. I like the buildup. You know, I like horror films that kind of start off one way and, and goes in a different direction, and you want to know what's going to happen on down the road. And in this movie, mm-hmm. your character inherits... Uh, a property from her grandfather who just passed away. It's all the way in Germany, uh, in the Black Forest, no less. 
And well, first of all, let me just say this without giving away any spoilers. Uh, maybe it would have been best had you known not to inherit anything, but I guess you weren't aware what was going to be happening. <laughs> it might have been one of those thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. But how would you describe your character? Um, I mean, I think she's, I think she is deeply rooted and questioning of her heritage. And obviously she has a very specific relationship with her grandfather. I mean, one of the more disgusting scenes I've ever had to film was when I was eating that eye. It was supposed to be an eyeball. It was actually mm. a pickled egg. It was, um, oh, I will never, I will, I will never forget that because I, the, all of the, those actions, I'm not even acting in that scene. It's real in that scene because mm. it was disgusting. Um, but I think she wonders about her real heritage. And I think that's why her and her husband end up going to this, you know, cottage in the middle of the forest. Um, because I think she wants to know more. And I think she has fond memories that she kind of believes she may be able to relive by claiming this inheritance. And you, you, you gave, you know, such an intriguing performance, just along like what you just described there. Like she was seeking something. I always felt like your character was seeking more, like the truth maybe behind her family history or ancestry. And that's part of the reason she wanted to go where she did. Um, you had wonderful chemistry with the gentleman who portrayed your husband. And my first reaction was, I mean, I instantly bought the fact that both of you were this, this couple. And, and, and I thought that was, that was great to see. I loved Johan. I loved working with him. We had a couple um, like face, FaceTime meet and greets before we even got to set because obviously COVID and we can't do real chemistry reads. And he was one place, I was another place. And I got along with him immediately. Um, I just knew we would, we would have great chemistry. He was such a lovely, lovely guy. Very, very easy to work with. And yeah, it's, I think, uh, you know, I, when people are watching a film or a TV show, I, I, if they're not in the business, I think they don't understand what it takes to have chemistry with a complete stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, right? It's, uh, it's like, you know, you're supposed to have this history with this person, you know? And you just met. <laughs> yeah, and we just met, so... If one good thing was to come of the COVID um, pandemic Zoom age, it was I got to meet him on the you know over the computer um, several times before we actually shot the show, and then so I kind of knew him already a little bit when I met him in person, and it made it much easier because I've I've done movies before where on my day one of shooting I meet an actor that I have an intimate scene with, and I that's really hard to build a relationship. You have to really try, but Johans and I already kind of knew each other. So, um, he's also a beautiful human being and lovely gentleman. So that made it easier, but I loved working with him right from the start. He did a great job and that's wonderful to hear. 
about all of that. And the setting looks very chilly. <laughs> looks a little bit on the cold side. And I told Miles I wanted to have a big cup of hot chocolate while watching this movie. Well, you'll laugh at this because my I uh, I was shooting in Vancouver years ago. I met a good Canadian boy. He's currently my husband. Um, but my parent, my in laws, live in Vancouver, and they I, sh- I shot a show called Continuum, and I bought myself one of those Canada Goose, those gigantic jackets with the fur hood and everything to keep warm off of set, and it had to be large enough to go over my wardrobe. And I keep it in Canada. I keep it at, at their house in Canada, in Vancouver. I um, I was misled mentally thinking, oh, Mississippi, that doesn't get cold in Mississippi. And then I asked, I think it was Miles that I asked, and I said, what's the temperature like down there? Is it balmy and warm? Do I need shorts and T-shirts? And he went, no, it's freezing. <laughs> So I had my in-laws ship my Canada Goose jacket, which is always, his name is Big Red. I had them <laughs> ship Big Red to me and I brought Big Red to uh, Mississippi and I wore Big Red every day. <laughs> and I was the girl that thought I needed cool lots and tank tops. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was cold. It was cold, cold, cold. But I wow. had Big Red with me, and I, Big Red is my is bigger than my first New York City apartment. <laughs> well, if I see some behind-the-scenes photos, Rachel, I, I'll know the backstory to seeing what you're wearing, if I happen to cr- come across it. Oh, any. yeah. <laughs> Big Red is there. He was, he was there. He was there every night, every day. And kept you warm. Well, that's a great story. Yeah, he- I, I don't blame you at all for having that shipped. <laughs> well, he... he- was being underused after four seasons on Continuum. He was just stuck in a closet. And, oh. and then my in-laws, my in-laws were so cute because I live in L.A. You don't need a big red in L.A. Yeah. And so my in-laws were so cute. And, yes, they sent him to me. And then I took pictures of me wearing big red in Mississippi. And I sent the pictures to them being like, you're keeping me warm. Like you. <laughs> was it a little bit dusty <laughs> since you hadn't worn it in a while? Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was, it, there was a little bit of dust. Um, and then after, it's funny. So after I, um, finished shooting Demigod, I brought Big Red back to LA and I, you know, it, he was dirty. He was dirty because I'd been rolling around in the Mississippi forest and, and up against trees and on the ground with wet leaves and in the cold. And he was dirty. So I sent him to be professionally cleaned because that's the only way you can do it. It cost $150. Whoa. Wow. Because he's he's down. Wow. Down and, and yeah, they did a beautiful job, and I used my normal cleaners, but I went. It must be really big. Oh, it's huge. It's a men's large. Okay. So I could probably wear it, maybe. (laughs) Oh, um, I mean, I think The Rock could wear it. Well, if he can wear it, yeah, that's probably pretty big then. <laughs> well, it, has to, it always has to go over my wardrobe, right? So if I'm yeah, wearing yeah. like a sweater and a jacket and an overcoat or whatever, <laughs> I've got to have it have to fit over everything. Ah, oh, I love this story. I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, I'm wondering, 
Rachel, um, kind of going back to your butterflies that you that you get right before a performance or stepping in front of the camera. Um, I'm also wondering about character preparation. I think you're so talented. I, uh, you, you're so appealing on screen. I think you, you make characters very interesting. But I'm just wondering, do you have a method of preparation that you're like every film or TV show, you're like, you know, you kind of go about it a certain way? Or do you uh, just kind of be more random about it? Um, I am a Capricorn, so I am not random about anything. Gotcha. Um, I have a wonderful acting coach. Her name is Nancy Banks, and I've been working with her for, oh, geez, probably 15 years at this point. I oh, find wow. it, I know there are a lot out there that have acting coaches that don't want to share that they have acting coaches, but. I feel very strongly in giving credit where credit is due because I have this wonderful woman in my life and she has helped me. I mean, the first time I ever worked with her was my audition for Alias. And I obviously booked the audition. Do I work with her for every audition? No. But when I get the job, do I work with her? Absolutely. And I worked with her on Demigod. We take apart the script. She reads it ahead of time. We, in COVID times, obviously, I did not go to her house. Uh, she, she only, she's only about seven minutes away from me, but we did all of our work uh, via FaceTime. And I just like, again, this is the Capricorn in me. I like the confidence that I derive from working with someone and having run through the material. And then I, and then I, I have my script, I have my notes. And then on the day I, I do it my way, but knowing that there's been a marination of Nancy Banks in there that just gives me the confidence to go through and say, I know what I'm doing. I've had, I've had some tough roles where you think, okay, I've got to go in. I've got to know my intention. Intention is a very big thing in every scene. Um, and I write copious notes. I'm, I'm very, very prepared beforehand. So I do all the work on my own on the script first. Then I work with Nancy and she guides me and helps me and gives me fresh ideas. Some of which I take, some of which I don't, but she's known me for so long. She knows kind of some of the buttons to push. And I write all those notes in my script and then I go to work. And I, once I'm, once I'm on set and once I'm on, um, I'm at work, I don't, um, I don't correspond with her again. I just take everything because the, the script in my hand, which you guess I still need a paper script. The script in my hand is the recipe for the performance and I have it in my hand. And then I go from there. She must be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, my hat's off to her. She is, I mean, I'm the least famous person she works with. Um, she is phenomenal. She's known me for so long. She's extremely talented. She has coached Academy Award winners. Um, she works with some of the highest people in this industry. I proudly yell her name from the top of every tower I can get to because she's been there for me for years. She, she actually coached me through all of Continuum as well. That's the only time 
obviously on episodic TV, I would get a script. I was in Vancouver. I would send her the script and then we would work on it together because I was the lead of that show. And it was a very, it was a very big, big job. So I would work with her throughout on that one, but I have nothing, but I wish I could tell you her clients, you would be blown away. I can't cause I can't, but well, she's the best of the best. Just the fact that she has you as a client blows me away, Rachel. That's, <laughs> that's a, I, I'm already impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so keep that in mind. And I really thank Thanks. you for sharing that because I, I found that very refreshing that you would, would, would share it in that way because an artistic journey, as you know, Rachel, uh, you know, it's full of people who influence us and guide us. And uh, I just thought that was a wonderful explanation. And thank you for sharing that. Of course, of course. I, I always want to tip my hat to her and be totally honest and, I don't consider having an acting coach as a weakness. I, I don't consider it um, like a cheating on my ability kind of thing. I, I'm a professional person and working with Nancy, I can walk into any, any room and have the confidence to know that I'm going to kill it. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> well, Rachel, let me ask you. Was this your first project during the pandemic or w- with the COVID uh, situation uh, while you filmed Demigod? Uh, yes, it was. I, mm. um, I was very reticent to go back to work. Um, I wanted to be very careful about the decision. Sorry, you can leave that in there. Decisions <laughs> that I made. Um, because we, there were so many unknowns and there were so many questions and where can you get it and how can you get it and how to prevent it. And mm-hmm. um, I got the offer for Demigod and this is, I'm, I'm going to go with October, November, 2020. Um, and I said to myself, okay, let's take this leap. And I talked to my husband about it. And the thing was, the thing that made me say yes was the fact that I had been informed that the accommodations and where we were shooting were all on the same campus. I was going to have my own little cabin, but I was going to also be shooting in the same area. Like it was a, basically an enclosed campsite in Mississippi. So... I got on the plane from LAX with two masks, a visor, gloves. I, I, de- you know, desanitized every or sanitized everything. Um, sat in my chair, didn't eat or drink. I was petrified, but I wanted to be healthy when I when I got to set. And when I finally arrived at this this campground campsite and. Um, officially met Miles and Lindsay and everybody. The first thing they said to me was, we're going to keep this safe and we're going to keep everyone healthy. And this is how we're going to do it. And we got COVID tests three times a week and um, everybody had to stay on campus. And if they decided to leave campus, like for the weekend or something, um, to visit family because we, we were working with a wonderful local crew, a lot of them. They had to show up with a negative COVID test. 
And if they didn't come back after the weekend with a negative COVID test, they weren't allowed on the campus. And that to me was the first step in knowing that Miles and Lindsay were going to take care of me. And they took such good care of me. Um, they, I had people that were going out and doing, you know, grocery runs for me, for the cast, for everything. And I had my own little cabin and they never made me want for anything. And they were so sweet and we would have dinners together and they would bring lovely booze and we would have a great time and we would cook <laughs> together and Lindsay, they're great cooks and um, yeah, it was the first job that I took and I think for all intents and purposes it was the best job I could have taken as my first job in COVID because I was taken care of so well. It sure sounds like it. I don't even know if a major studio could have topped that out. That that was very I well mean, organized. Lindsay I, I was so well organized and I had a welcome basket that had candles and cozy pajamas oh, and cozy nice. socks. Ah. And, oh, they, <laughs> they took such good care of me. And I've said this to them um, multiple times throughout shooting and in, in our subsequent conversations. They were the best way I could have come back during COVID because of the way they treated me and everybody else. I'm so happy to hear this, and, and I'm just not surprised. You know, I'm not surprised that Miles and, and Lindsay just prepared things in this manner. I'm just not surprised, but I'm so pleased to hear about all that. Well, it was, it was a big deal because, listen, when you sign on to a, a smaller film, and this, this is an indie film, it's a smaller film as an actor, you don't know if it's going to be a complete shit show. It could be a complete shit show. And during a pandemic, you really don't want it to be a complete shit show. And it wasn't. They just took care of me. They knew what they were doing. Even even when there were certain hiccups, not in the health department, but just certain, you know, logical onset normal hiccups, they handled them so well that I always just felt I always felt safe. I never, I never felt unsafe or that I was in jeopardy or my health was in jeopardy or they weren't, they didn't, or didn't put my best interest at heart. They really did. So I would work with, I would work with them on like a tampon commercial. That's how much I love. <laughs> that I says everything. Tampon, <laughs> I totally do it. Well, and that gift basket sounds very nice too. I'll tell you. Oh yeah. I got earrings. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They were they were so great to me. Very nice. And Rachel, you know, off the air, my goodness, we had such a great conversation. You shared with me that you genuinely enjoy horror films, as do I. So um, I'm sure you were excited about this project. I have to tell you, The Black Forest, the more I read about it and looked into it, I guess I wasn't totally aware that many consider it to be very haunted. Yeah. And I think yeah, this film I mean, backs that up. <laughs> it totally does. I wish we'd actually been shooting in the Black Forest because I, I'm a huge horror, thriller, ghosty. Per- I mean, I did, mm-hmm. I did an episode of Ghost Hunters, which was epic. 
I also grew up in a haunted house. Um, you, you grew up in one? So wow. my house in Maine is about now about 300 years old. And um, my mom had a flower bed. She still has it in the backyard. And there was this stone in the flower bed. And so we up, we've always called my mom Top Sleuth. And so she did an etching of, of the stone because it looked like there were things written on it. And then she went, you know, to Augusta City Commerce, whatever. And we found out that the man that built the house was buried in the backyard, and that was his headstone. Oh, my. I'm not kidding. But Whoa. he was always a good ghost. He was a always, ghost. we never had a bad ghost there. He was always a good ghost. Wow. Wow. Well, well I yeah. wasn't expecting to yeah. hear this story today. <laughs> Growing <laughs> up in a really old house in an old New England Cedar Shingled Cape, which is yeah now 300 years old, I think. Uh, yeah, he was always a good ghost, but there are those creeps and those weird things. And I think that's what started my love of sort of thriller, horror, heebie-jeebies. There are a couple places that we shot in Vancouver um, not in this movie, but on Continuum, um, that are haunted. And I just was so into it. And then I said, I just did an episode of Ghost Hunters just for fun because I love it. So <laughs> it's in my blood. Wow. It sure sounds like it. And I'll just let you know that one of my favorite horror series is the Psycho Films because I'm so mm-hmm. fascinated by Anthony Perkins' you know, portrayal of Norman uh, Bates and how tormented he was, and um, mm-hmm. especially Psycho 2. I have a soft spot for that haunting music throughout that film. But wow, what a story! Well, I have to tell you, the demigod <laughs> itself in this film, I shared this with Miles, really did give me chills. I commended him on the special effects because it was much more than what I anticipated. The voice, the imagery, it was a sense of pure evil. So my two-part question here, if you don't mind, is have you seen this film yet and seen what I'm talking about on display? And second of all, what was it like to do scenes with the demigod itself in the scene? So I have not seen the film yet, but I that's, it, that's intentional because I, this is going to sound strange, I love to give interviews and hear my, thank you, uh, what your thoughts are. And I will see it. I could, I could see it today if I wanted to, but I like to, I like to get a grasp of what it is from who I'm talking to. However, I will say, because I did see some dailies and some scenes and, um, and Miles was so generous because he really wanted me to know what it was looking like. And he did some amazing, amazing things. And then our DP, Nate Tate, uh, and, and production designer, Julie, um, and obviously costume designer, Lindsay, had a huge part in that. But they were using diopters, and I didn't even know what that meant. And then he would, he would show me what we, he was looking at, and then they used anamorphic widescreen, and they went bold, and they... And that's what sets the movie apart. So I haven't seen the whole thing, but what I have seen is I know that it's aesthetically very sort of 
mind-bending and intellectual. And I do know for Miles, that is exactly what he wanted it to do. He wanted it to have this feeling and that's why he went with those lenses. And he just wanted a different aesthetic, which he's very happy that he achieved. And I am too, because from what I've seen, it's very cool. Well, I don't mind saying that it it literally gave me chills. Um, and, and I think that is, that means he accomplished, you know, part of his goals was, I'm sure, uh, that was part of the intent. And, uh, you know, I kept thinking, Rachel, if I was you or another character, one of those poor folks at the end, um, that, that, that are, that are being hunted down. I mean, just putting my, I like to put myself in character shoes a lot. You know, I'm, I'm a person that, that can empathize so much with others. And I was like, man, if I was one of these people, I would be totally freaked out. Like, like, I mean, there's just no other way around it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there were, there were lots of freakish things about it. I mean, it, but it was done so well. And, and whenever, and I give Miles huge credit for this because whenever there was a setup that was taking a bit longer or we were doing more takes than normal, he would explain it, which is, that's all I asked for as an actor. If things are taking a while, please just tell me why or show me why. And he'd be like, we're trying to do this and this and zoom in here and use the diopter. And, and it's, it's touchy and it's very persnickety and we're trying to get it perfect. And then I say, okay, I will continue to lay down in the woods, in the cold. No problem. As long as you tell me what you're doing and what you're going for, I will be on board with you. And he always did that. Well, I have to tell you, Rachel, I just really enjoyed your choices as an actress. You know, I, 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 you know, especially early on in the film, I just feel like you're saying so much with your eyes without even speaking, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things I find appealing about you. Well, that is the biggest compliment you could have ever given me. So I don't think you'll ever know how much I appreciate it because I like to work with fewer words and more eyes and emotion. And um, I take words. There are some actors that like to do all the speaking as many lines as they can have. They want to do it. But I would rather take the lines out and, and and sell it with the eyes. And so that compliment you just gave me makes me understand and believe that the choices I make are correct. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. That warms my heart to have that kind of response. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, last, lastly, I'd like to just ask you, as far as a demigod goes, because I have a surprise question for you at the end, and that is, uh, I believe this was filmed in about two weeks. Does that sound right? I'm going to go with three. Three. Okay. About three weeks. But, but again, my, as my husband would tell you, I'm my memory is... is is terrible in the past. Well, since COVID hit, every day runs into the other. So I think it was three weeks. I think it was three, but hey, listen, <laughs> we can say it was not in a day, whatever you want. How about two to three weeks? <laughs> Perfect. Three weeks. <laughs> well, do you prefer shoots that are more like 
that tightly, tightly wound up, so to speak, like time frame? Or do you like where it's maybe more spread out over a longer period of time? Any preference there? I, the interesting thing is I like them both. I have done hmm. I like that many answer. films that, well, I've done many films that are, I mean, looking back to A Bird of the Air, Mascada. I mean, I have done After Party. I, I have done many films that shoot in, you know, two to three weeks. And when you get a great cast, like if you look at the cast of Mascada, I mean, it's incredible. Um, Grace Gummer, Norman Reedus, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Tucker. No, yeah, Jonathan Tucker. No, Jonathan. No, there's <laughs> Jonathan in there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you, you get to the set, and none of you are making any money, and you love the project so much that you signed on to it, and then it becomes summer camp, and. You, you all get, we all got along so well on all of these films, these tiny little films. And I love that part of it. And they're, they're short and they're sweet. Um, but they're magical in a way that, you know, that everybody is there clearly not for a paycheck. They're there for work because they love the script and they love the character. So it's really summer camp and that kind of unity is very, very special. Then you go to your big budget movies. Also incredibly awesome. Um, you get to do stuff you've never done before. You get to be painted entirely green for six hours. You get oh, to you know, shoot people with a, with a crossbow that <laughs> doesn't really work. Um, but you get <laughs> to have these awesome, like huge experiences. I mean, in my mm -hmm. case, you get to have a romance with Jason Momoa. Who's going to argue about that? There you go. So, I, I love it all. I, the choices that I make are character driven. And mm. if I like the character, I don't care if the budget is a hundred thousand dollars or $500 million. I don't care. So I just want to go and have a good time and, and, you know, to provide a good performance that people will enjoy. And that's kind of, why I don't discriminate between big and little budget films because I have found rewards from all of them. Well, what a wonderful way to conclude on Demigod. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for such a delightful conversation. Uh, I discovered, at least I hope I discovered correctly, that you might have uh, for a certain affection for dogs. Um, and yeah. I have an adopted rescue dog, an American Cocker Spaniel, Sophie. And um, I have to tell you, uh, uh, she just brightens up every day. Well, um, I was never a dog person um, because we had a dog growing up. But Jesse had been my father's dog way before he met my mom, way before kids. And the only time in my life I've ever seen my father cry, I was in the second or third grade and Jesse had arthritis and we had oh. to put him down. And my parents told us and I said goodbye to Jesse and my brother said goodbye to Jesse. And then my dad spent the whole night in his 
1970 Ford F-150 with Jesse in the front seat. And they put Jesse down. The only time I've seen my dad cry. And after that, being the daddy's girl that I was, I just said, dogs are terrible. Dogs made my dad cry. I do not like dogs. However, cut to many, many, many years later, Michael, my husband, who's a big dog person, suggested that we um, babysit our friend's pit mix rescue. And he suggested it after already having told them that we would do it. So about four days in, and, and Blue is lovely and he's so sweet and I'm kind of digging, hanging out with him and he's been around our friend's kids and he's super lovely. Um, Michael came home from work one day and we have doors that go beep, beep, beep when you open and I was in the back with Blue in the back bedroom and he heard the beep, beep, beep and he barked. It's the only time I've heard him bark. He raced around the corner and then he saw Michael and he went, Oh, you're cool, kid. No, I know you're, you're cool. <laughs> it's okay. So <laughs> after that, I looked at oh. Michael and I said, I want to rescue a pit bull. And oh. um, now she's lying right next to me right now. Her name is oh. Lolo. After Lolo. Our well, hi, Lolo. Lolo. Um, she, oh, she hears you. Hi. I think uh, um, Mommy should give you a treat today. From me. Oh, she'll get. <laughs> she had her flu shot today, right before I, right before I um, oh. got on the phone with you. She came into our lives. She was rescued. She was abandoned. She was in a kill shelter. All the terrible things that you hear. And she is the sweetest dog. And so now I'm a huge dog person. Every dog, I'm like, hi dog, hi dog, oh. can I touch you? <laughs> but. It took a lot for me to get here, but yeah. We, it sure did. I, I, Rachel, I just have to tell you, that just brought a tear to my eye. Uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, such a heartfelt story. But now look down the road, you know, uh, unexpected twists, so to speak. And, and that dog's going to be extra love, no doubt about that. She's got more love in the whole world. I called, and I wouldn't have survived. I call her my pandemic painkiller. Because I wouldn't have survived without her to force cuddle anytime mm. I needed cuddling. I could just bring her up. And she's 70 pounds. I still put her right on top of my chest on the sofa and make her give me kisses. And I just, I couldn't have survived <laughs> without her. I mean, I love my husband, but yeah. Lolo, Lolo takes the cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your honesty about such things and yeah. i'll tell you what sophie's right near me on her back with her paws up and um thankfully we can't hear her snore so that's always a plus lolo does snore <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness sophie uh whew, sometimes it gets really loud and uh oh yeah i think the greatest thing is the warm greetings i get when i come through the door if i've had a rough day or things just seem out of sorts. It's just, like you said, it's like medicine for the soul. It's just like um, such a, a, a nice experience every time you walk through the door. You're gone a, a half and the day, but they treat you like you've been gone a week. Yeah, I mean, she she loves my husband, Michael, way more than she loves me. But still, I do get, I, I do get the quality kind of love. <laughs> and also, the thing for me, which I didn't know before having a dog, obviously, was... She knows when I'm sad. 
She knows when maybe I'm a little bit, a little bit down in the dumps, a little bit depressed. Like she knows and she'll just come and she'll just put her head in my lap or she'll lie next to me. She just knows. And it's the most, if I could bring, I, I, I work with a children's charity called Lollipop Theater Network. And if we bring movies that are still in theaters to um, terminally ill children in hospitals across the United States, obviously with the pandemic, we've had to augment our process. But if I could bring Lolo into a hospital to see kids, I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> that would be like her, that's her calling because she's just so calming and so sweet. All 72 pounds of her. All 72 pounds. Well, that warmed my heart, too, and, and thank you for sharing Good. that. And Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful guest you have been, Rachel. Uh, if folks want to learn more about you or start following you on social media, how would they go about doing that? Um, so I'm Rachel Nichols and then just the number one on Twitter. Gotcha. Um, and then on Instagram... I very famously lost a bet to Jake Hoffman, who is indeed Dustin Hoffman's son. And I forget what the bet was, but I remember that if I lost, he got to name my Twitter account. So I'm oh at. <laughs> the stakes <laughs> yeah, were high I'm on that bet. Goodness. The were high because I clearly thought it was going to win, but I lost. Mm. And so Instagram, I'm at Tickle Nichols. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, great. Well, that's that's quite a bet. Uh, wow. And uh, you had some courage there because uh, you never know what he would have you know, selected. I, he's also one of my dear friends. And so I figured he wasn't going to make me name it something, you know, deplorable. Yeah. But that, well, that's good. <laughs> everybody out there like, wait, what are you talking about? You're at Tickle Nichols. How did that happen? <laughs> I'm like, I blame Jake Hoffman. Well, I want to say uh, once again, thank you for sharing your filming experience of Demigod, more about your background and, and your amazing career. Uh, I think I'm going to be all smiles for a very, very long time. Thanks to our conversation today. Well, thank you for having me on Hollywood and Beyond, Stephen. I appreciate it. And I'm going to be all smiles as well. And Lola was totally into your voice because she's collapsed right next to me <laughs> since this started. So thank you so much. Hi, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittany. Do you happen to have a question or a comment for me? Or perhaps you feel that you might make an interesting guest here on Hollywood and Beyond. Whatever your reason may be, please feel free to contact me anytime directly at the show's official email address. That would be hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. That is hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon.